With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dugout, Football Social Daily. There's been controversy, there's been questions, and nobody's too sure what happens next. I'm talking, of course, about the World Cup in Qatar, but I could so easily be speaking about Cristiano Ronaldo and his future at Manchester United. Two of the biggest talking points in the game, the historical big performer Ronaldo and the historical biggest stage of them all with the World Cup. We'll be picking apart both of those things on today's episode of the show. Not only will we ask how the issues resolve themselves between Man United and their talismanic number seven, we'll also be looking at England's chances of tasting glory in the Middle East. This is The Dugout, the podcast featuring former Premier League professionals and I'm delighted to say we've got two former England internationals on the show with me, Niall McCorn, today. Trevor Stephen and Matt Jarvis are here. How are you doing, boys? Very well, thank you. Looking forward to the World Cup, Trevor. I mean, this is probably something that brings back some good memories for you, getting prepared for a tournament. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, even if um, you know you haven't played in a World Cup, I mean, everybody wants a bit of a bit of the World Cup, don't they? Uh, but this one is unusual, I have to say. No build-up, um, no suspense around it, you know. And, and I do miss that. I miss the, uh, um, I, I miss the couple of friendlies that come up beforehand, where we're all sort of looking and picking our teams and all of those things and last-minute injuries. Uh, although we did have that with the Premier League, but I just think I just think this is a I, I don't know how I'm going to feel until it starts um, and come back to me then in a few days time. Yeah, I think you got a point. When Qatar versus Ecuador, the spectacle that is, will kick off the World Cup for the weekend. I'm sure we'll be all up for it after that one. What about you, Javo? I know we were just talking before we started recording the show. You've had some new gym equipment put in, so you've been <laughs> pu- been pumping the weights instead of watching the Premier League because, of course, there's no no league games this weekend, sadly. Exactly. What what can you do? You gotta you gotta go and entertain yourself. So that was my uh, that's my bit of uh, entertainment and keeping myself occupied. But yeah, I mean, once the tournament starts, everyone's going to be you know. Doesn't matter what's going on around and what time of the year it is. Once the tournament starts, that's it. Fully focused. Everyone's going to be really excited, looking forward to to seeing how everyone performs, not just England. <laughs> 
Yeah, and particularly there'll be a lot of people looking to see how Cristiano Ronaldo performs. We'll come on to the World Cup in more detail later on in today's podcast. But first, we've got to start at what's been the biggest story in football over the last week uh, since last weekend when Piers Morgan announced that he had done a bombshell interview with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, We've seen clips, we've seen parts of this interview come out on social media and some of the things that he's had to say in modern football terms, are pretty shocking, particularly when it comes to the fact that he's still employed by Manchester United Football Club. He's taken the owners to town. He's had comments about his own manager. This is a guy who still plays for a club. Sometimes you see this when players have left the club, Javo, and maybe when they've retired, they'll write something in a book or they'll do a TV interview. Cristiano Ronaldo is still a Manchester United player at this point. So what's your initial reaction and what were your initial thoughts when you saw this news of the interview come out? Yeah, I think you're, you're right. It's at this point, he's still a Man United player because, you know, in any other line of work, in any other company that you start talking about the owners or the yeah, your manager or something, you don't have a future at that company at all. That That's it. Um, football, obviously, is a very unique um, sport, I suppose, not just company and the way it's run and everything, but you can't you can't do it even if you think it even if you tell your your friends or family you you can't come out and do a a full interview about it i'm i am a huge ronaldo fan honestly i i'm i'm gutted really um i really am and i'm sure there's you know everyone's on the messi ronaldo messi ronaldo you know and after this i think a hell of a lot of people that were ronaldo were starting thinking hmm messi you know it it it's changing everyone's opinion i think it really is. You, whatever, if it's true or whether it's not, you know, you just can't come out and say it when you're still employed by the club. Do you think, Java, just with Ronaldo and you say, like, we hear these stories about him being the model professional. This is not professional, what he's done. There's no bones about it, is there? I mean, it's just, there's nothing professional about this. Not at all. I think you, I mean, I was going to come on to, to say, if you're a young player there at United, you're looking up to him as the pinnacle, aren't you? He's, he's the best player. You know, he, his goal scoring, his attitude, you know, his, his work rate, his, you know, physique, everything about him is, is elite. And so you copy that and you, you try and learn from that. And then this happens and you, you're thinking, I don't quite like the way, you know, his attitude is maybe in training, you know, he's not coming on in a game. Everyone's made out about it. He's left the game before the end of the end of the, you know, he's left the walk down the tunnel. You, you just, all of these things you start thinking, well, actually as a young player, you don't want to follow that. You don't want to be, you know, like him because up until now, this season, really, he is still the best player that works hard, stays after training, his attitude, dedication, everything. And now you're starting as a young player thinking, I don't know whether I should be, you know, looking up to him and copying him in in that way anymore. Yeah, I mean, even some of the things he said in the interview about the young players, he said that only some of the young players kind of come up to him and ask him for advice. And it's it's almost like he wants to be idolised by everyone and be treated like this living God. And I think that there are sometimes issues just around that in, in general, you know, in a team, Trevor, and you've played in many great teams and title winning teams. You have that togetherness where you don't expect, even if someone's unhappy, which happens a lot in football, we know that players always want to play games and they're never happy if they're left out. But you kind of have this unwritten rule amongst teammates that you kind of keep everything together. You don't throw your teammates under the bus. You certainly don't throw the manager under the bus. But then you've got the owners of the club and everyone knows 
and it's been well documented, the Manchester United fans distaste and disgruntlement with the ownership. That's always been there. It's not a revelation what Ronaldo said here, but certainly considering they're the ones that pay his wages, like them or hate them, it almost seems unfathomable that a player would ever come out and say the things that he said. I, I agree, yeah. I mean, this is... It's, it's an angry man, isn't it, really? Um, who's frustrated. Uh, but, you know, even if that is the case, as you said, you just... Um, <clears throat> it just gets sort of swallowed up in, in the sort of, you know, the daily goings-on in the football club normally... Um, and, and I've been in many a dressing room where there's someone thinks that they should be in the team and you can tell that they've got the hump but uh, this is completely different this is uh, this is a, a major shift from what we've known before um, being under contract being paid the amount of money he's being paid and he feels that he's not being served what he needs to, to be effective really and that's one thing and the fact that he hardly ever plays is, is the other thing which is an insult to him but you know Ten Hag is picking that team and he's not doing it to make Man United um, a worse team right he's not trying to be um, be poor he's trying to give the best opportunity to the 11 players uh, that are going to take the field at any given time and Ronaldo what what does he do what does he do now he, he does he disrupts what Ten Hag has in his head about what is an effective football team because Ronaldo's habits are about him scoring goals uh, and a little bit of dropping a little bit deep and knocking the ball off and then running through towards the goal. That's what he that's what he does, but it doesn't fit in with the, the game plan that Ten Hag has. So um, internal communications must be shocking there at Manchester United. You know, that, that, that's a complete break. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously an unauthorised interview, but... He's obviously done this, Trevor, knowing the outcome. He he does. He's not a stupid player. He's he's professional. He's been a professional for twenty years, whatever it is. He's seen a lot in the game of football. With the status that he has, an idol to a lot of people, he knows that there's going to be backlash or reaction to anything he says, no matter how big or small. So he's gone into this interview knowing exactly what he's trying to get out of it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. This is this is. Um... You know, the equivalent of dropping like the atomic bomb, isn't it? It's not just a hand grenade. This this is like the full shebang. And there's no way that he would have gone into the detail and depths that he's ha- he has done. Uh, very self-centered with the, the majority of things that he said um, without knowing the consequence. And the consequence is he has to leave Manchester United. Uh, and we saw a little, you know, f- flash of that when Bruno Fernandes goes into the Portugal dressing room um, and that that immediate frosty thing, and you could see right through it. I don't. I know they try to cover it up with about a boat and getting a boat to the you know to to Qatar. Uh, no, 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 no. And then when he's then when he's on the on the training pitch with Cancelo as well from Man City, that to me was Cancelo didn't want anything to do with him. He didn't want to be pictured with him. Um, if that was happening to our, us and our England squad, we'd be uh, we'd be having. We'd be up in, in arms about you know what is what's happened here to our our squad and, and the mentality going into the World Cup. Portugal having to ride this Ronaldo wave at the moment, and it, it's not healthy. And it's enough for me. It's enough for them not to be as effective in the World Cup. Yeah, I mean it's a massive distraction, and we'll talk about the World Cup a little bit later on on the podcast. But what do you think the best possible outcome is for Cristiano Ronaldo here, Javo? Because 
The likelihood is he probably won't play for the club again. And you can understand that decision if that's the decision Manchester United take. Would other clubs, if he becomes a free agent, want to sign Ronaldo now? It's so hard because he's so talented and can still offer so much. He's one of the best ever. If you offered a manager, Cristiano Ronaldo, the chances are 99% of them would say yes. But has that percentile dropped now because of what he's done? Look, I think for, for both parties, the, the best scenario is to be it finished as quickly as possible, as in like today, tomorrow, the next day. You know, that that's it. Both parties, he he, he, he's, he leaves. That's his best scenario. He wants to leave. But as you said, he wants his main focus is to go and he just wants to play and score goals. He wants to break more records. He wants to increase his his amount of goals he scored in his whole career. He wants to he wants to play at the, the top level the best he can. But as you said, like now you're looking at clubs like even at the start of the season when everyone the, the all talk was about Ronaldo and is he going to stay, is he going to go? And you look at all of the top clubs and you think all of them have said no. So you're you're looking and thinking, where where would he have gone anyway? But now with this happening, you're thinking where where is he thinking he he would like to go? Because he can't really go back to Spain. You know, he's not going to Real Madrid. He's not he's not really going to go to Paris Saint-Germain, really. He's not... Bayern Munich sort of said no already. He's not then really... Is he going to stay in the Premier League? It's questionable. I don't yeah. think so. I mean, so. he's only got... If he wants to go to a Champions League team, Matt, he's only got 16 teams to choose from. Four of them are in the Premier League that won't sign him. Um, Sporting's one of them as well, who have said they can't afford him. And then there's the other clubs you've listed. So actually, unless he's going to Club Bruges or somewhere like that, he's probably not going to go to a Champions League club at this point. Do you know, do you know what it is? It, um, whoever takes uh, Ronaldo next, it's not for his football ability. It's for it's for marketing, it's for branding. You know, that's really what it is. Because th- there's there's not much left in the tank, right? When, when you're 37-year-old. He might have a, a decent season, but beyond that, you know, what his, his strength is speed, anticipation. He's not even been able to get into positions now where he's he's really threatening. Um, you know, and you, you just need to have a look at a, a Haaland, right, who's anticipating at super, super fast um, speeds. Ronaldo's days are gone because he's not even getting to those into those areas where he could, can be really quick. Uh, no, but I just think the next the next place can only be into the MLS, really into one of the one of the the big, um, you know, probably LA. I like think that. that's his last straw, isn't it? Really, because he, he wants to he want he wants he wants to be scoring goals and he wants to continue to play in the Champions League to increase his goal scoring records and that that's his whole thing. So if he goes to you know something like the MLS, he you know yes he he could probably be like a you know Ibrahimovic went there and. And was incredible, but he, he's still focused on European football. I think it wouldn't surprise me if post the World Cup, PSG, who are owned by the Qataris, of course, do try and have some sort of Messi Ronaldo partnership um, for six months. It wouldn't shock me um, at all. But if you were a, an elite club and you were part of a, an elite, let's say, for instance, Trevor, to use an example from your career, say you were when you were at Marseille, say. Some, this happened in your day and Ronaldo then becomes a free agent and then there's talk of him coming to Marseille. Um, what, what will the players think? What will the next teammates of Cristiano Ronaldo be thinking? Because we know what his current teammates are probably thinking. They're probably not happy with him at all. But the next group of teammates, whoever that is, 
are they immediately going to have different perceptions now? And is it going to, like you say, it might disrupt the boat for Portugal in the World Cup, let alone for Depends his on next the club? Team. Depends on the team that he's going to. If, it, if it's he's decided to go for money to a team that's not going to be competing at the highest level, then the, the, the players will be quite thrilled that Ronaldo's coming to be part of you know their dressing room. But if you're wanting an absolute cutting-edge football side now, um, they, they'll not have it. They'll not. They'll not buy into it um, to to satisfy um, Ronaldo's feelings. They will not. I, I certainly wouldn't be happy with that. I remember when Paul Gascoigne came to to Rangers, um, and there was a lot of controversy about it. But he was a big player who still had lots in the engine. Came in and he he took all the. Um, uh, he became the, the centre point of focus for, for press, for TV, for everything, where it was kind of sh- spread out previous to Gaza coming. So he, he took it all, but we didn't care because he was a great footballer and he delivered. Um, but R- Ronaldo, I don't think, I seriously don't think he can can deliver um, in the pressing game that we, that we play now. I think he disappears for 80 minutes of the game and you hope that in that 10 minutes where he's actually involved somewhere, that he's got to get a goal in that in that period. So, I think the days are gone. Uh, again, I've, I can't fathom out why he's done it. Uh, the timing of it uh, just seems like um, well, it's the perfect opportunity for him, isn't it? He then now doesn't have to be there for for the next few weeks. So for him, it, yeah. in his mind, it's the perfect opportunity to have to have released it now. That's that's why he's done it. Yeah, and then the World Cup ends. It's Carabao Cup round four against Burnley at Old Trafford, and then it's. Boxing Day game or the 27th which is away at Wolves and then it's into January yeah. and then the window opens exactly. so in terms of timing it, it does make sense on that front I just don't know what will happen next with, with Cristiano Ronaldo I don't think anyone does um, but what we can say is that it's probably you know as much as he's set an example to players over the years Jarvo with the way he's played this has probably set an example to any generation of footballers coming through now who are already quite thoroughly media trained, it's probably now made them run a mile from any form of interview of any sort, really. You know, it's it's kind of a prime example of what not to do when you're employed by a football club. Well, I think a lot of that depends on how Man United handle it. Because, you know, if it goes you know, if it goes well for Ronaldo and he gets what he wants out of it, other people could be saying, well, that's the next thing. You know, when players want to leave a club and they're in contract and they're not playing and they're not happy and they want to go somewhere else and, you know, they you know, they kick balls around in training, they they don't turn up, they do this, do that. This is another form of trying to get yourself out. Um, and if it, it works for Ronaldo, then other people will be thinking, well, actually, if I do that, I can, I can get out as well. But I imagine they won't be getting find half a million pound a week for to, to, to get out. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's just, it's the whole thing about him, the perception of him, the way that he's handled himself and the media throughout his whole career. This is just sort of out of the blue and, and not what he, he, he's trying to put his side of, you know, across, which I get, you know, to a point, you know, you you never know what goes on in the training ground, and you always you always just get what the press release. So, if, as a player, you want to have your side of it, but this is just it's gone it's gone way over and above what um, what you would normally you know release, especially when you're still at a club. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And just 
any final thoughts on this from you, Trevor? Because, I mean, it, it feels like we are talking about the end of Ronaldo, which is strange because the chances are he'll go somewhere next and score a load of goals. He always does. But it feels like this is kind of the exclamation point on the end of an amazing career, um, whether it be for better or for worse. It certainly feels like past this point, his reputation has certainly changed. Yeah, well, if you, if you look at the bigger picture, which is Manchester United and Ten Hag, um, that's what is really important for, for that football club now, that they continue this improvement in form and it's been done, you know, in the main without Ronaldo. Um, it's actually been done with Ronaldo chirping away in the background and, uh, and being unhappy. Uh, so it, it's working. They're sitting fifth in the table and that's not a bad scenario compared to where they were, particularly looking after the first two or three games of the season. I just wonder what those communications look like. I'd love to know what it looks like um, between Ten Hag and Ronaldo. Is there absolutely none? Well, I, I find this interesting in general because there's talk about Ronaldo being disrespected by Ten Hag. Well, obviously Manchester United allowed him to have the preseason off after what happened to his child, which is tragic and no parent should have to go through that at any age. Um, and then he comes back and, you know, he doesn't get picked in the starting 11. That's because he's not had a preseason, but he can't understand it. And then, of course, he does the, the leaving the preseason friendly thing, which he did before the Spurs game where he walked out. He did that in a preseason game. And Ten Hag absolutely chastised the whole United squad because it wasn't just Ronaldo that walked out. Ronaldo was singled out on that occasion. But he actually defended Ronaldo in a post-match press conference and said, they're all going to get it from me because that's not acceptable. So he defended Cristiano Ronaldo there. And then the Tottenham thing happens. He suspends him because you don't want to undermine the manager. And I think Ten Hag did the right thing there, showing his authority. And then he brings him back and then makes him a captain for a game. So in terms of like not feeling respected, I do think Ten Hag has dealt with the situation almost as well as you could have imagined whilst upholding his authority. Well, 100%. I, I genuinely feel like Ten Hag's, the whole situation was always going to be difficult for him coming into the, the Man United job anyway, let alone with Ronaldo. And I think he's handled the whole thing really well. He's dealt with situations like the one you mentioned about Ronaldo leaving the Spurs game. He, he was like, I will deal with that in the morning, you know, this is about the the team and the performance and the and, and the win. And you're like, you know, fair play. And he did deal with that. He was suspended. He'd come back in, as you said, brought him back in, played him, made him captain. You know, and you, you're giving him every obstacle that's come up. He's handled it really well uh, and he's moving on. And the team is still progressing, which is the most important thing for him. So, you know, there was always going to be looking in the transfer window to find another striker. And I just think that this has made that, just accelerated it a little bit and 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 for united as a team i think it's it's probably going to benefit them you know in the longer term but it's it, it's going to happen really quickly because there is the, he can't come back from this and play for united because it's just it's unacceptable and especially for the players as well it's it'll be very difficult for for them to after a couple of days if he comes back in it'll, it won't all be forgotten but you just sort of you just have to get on with it, but it won't be a very nice few days for sure if if it drags out that long, which I don't expect it will be. Do you know? Do you know what? It's quite uh, farcical. Right? It's quite comical um, that Ronaldo's going on about the Carrington, the dressing rooms, the, the, mm. this, that, and the other, the technology, kitchen. the kitchen, 
they're all in a sort of time warp, you know. I mean, hello, Ronaldo, you're 37, right? You're, you're an actual time warp. You're part of that. You know, he should never have gone back to Manchester United. And um, he shouldn't have been taken back when he was taken back. It was just a wrong fit. And this guy is an ego on legs. You know, he is, he is uh, he's egocentric. Uh, you know, from his goal celebration, which he invented. The, the thing is, though, his, he that that's yeah. what you you know he is he's he got himself to the top because of that. You have to have that a little bit, and he, he is the ego driven. He is everything like that. But that that makes him who he is. And up until this interview, or even I say that up until the start of this season, that's what you liked about him. That's what made him great. You know, when he did the last Pierce Morgan interview before, and he was like, you know. I'm number one. I want to be number one. I need to be number one. And everything about it was leading up to him to be the best. But that's because he dedicated his life, his training, the, the after training, the recovery, the, the everything. That was what made him the best. But now you just have a different outlook on him. Now you just you just see the ego thing. You don't see the, the hard work that he's put in and, and done all that in the past because that is now the past. It's what he's doing now, which is is not putting him his, him in the team and it's just all, everything about him which is what we sort of knew anyway yeah he, he's just he's just unhappy I think you know where he's at in the stage of his career you know we all we have, we've all loved Ronaldo along the way but less so now we've fallen out of, of love with him because of, of his actions a bit of humility at this stage of his career talking about you know about what's gone by and going to help the guys, the guys coming through. What a brilliant, beautiful message that would have been to be the mentor within Manchester United. But all he wants is, is the headlines for himself and he's displayed that in, in his actions in the last in the last few days. Uh, it's very, very sad. It's very sad for uh, for Man United. Um, it's, uh, it's Ten Hag, it's, it's extremely disrespectful. I mean, the guy's got a brilliant CV. He's got a great CV. And he's done a great job so far. I mean, we're only in yep. November. United are fifth and they're improving slowly. And that looks like that's going to continue without Ronaldo, doesn't it? So Well, they've already started to take his down the, the billboard of him on the stadium, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Well, I'm sure people will be keeping their eyes on Ronaldo during this World Cup. Of course, Portugal will be a part of it. And so too will England. And we're going to talk about the three Lions and their chances in Qatar next up here on The Dugout. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is The Dugout, a Premier League podcast featuring former top flight professionals. And today we've got former England internationals as well. Matt Jarvis and Trevor Stephen are both with me on the show. And England are taking part in their first group stage game of the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar. It's on Monday afternoon, one o'clock UK time against Iran. Everyone's obviously really looking forward to the game, but probably not uh, as much as normal because of the build-up or the lack thereof. So I thought what we should do is listen to a World Cup song or some sort of England song to get us in the mood. So here we go. Oh my goodness. I seem to remember this one. <laughs> bravo, bravo. I hope, I hope your gym equipment is as good as the stuff we've got there. I really do. Well, if you're listening to the show, you won't be able to see this, but this is a song Trevor recorded with the England squad before the 1988 Euros. I mean, at least Tony Adams is pushing his weights in time, Trevor. You're just going absolutely hell for leather on the machine there. Yeah, no weight. Absolutely no weights on it at all. I was just uh, doing these bench presses with no weights. As Tony Adams, who was next to me, doing these shoulder presses, um, I think there was one one weight on it. But that was, you know, Wogan, back in the day when football teams used to bring out a, a, a record um, at uh, any occasion that they possibly could, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was that was horrible. I mean, I you've given up the weights here now. Look, you've, you've, you've given up completely on that one. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's enough. I, I, yeah, I know. I was a bit of boredom stuck in, stuck in there. But you know, in that video, you've got Chris Woods, Bobby Robson, Neil Webb, hmm. Lineker, Brian Robson, Peter Shilton, all looking totally embarrassed and humiliated. <laughs> but you know, it's it, it's. It's not even good entertainment. I don't know. It's it, like it didn't work out well for you in that tournament either, unfortunately. No, Sometimes no. these World Cup songs don't always go to plan. But um, seeing as we've got this video um, in front of us here, you mentioned Bobby Robson. Uh, Marley, who works with us on the podcast, is a massive Newcastle United fan, and he's been meaning for me to ask you for ages. Have you got any great stories or memories of, of Sir Bobby Robson, who is obviously a, a legend of the game uh, and a bit of a legend in Newcastle as well, from a an area close to where you grew up as well in the northeast of England. So what are your memories of Sir Bobby Robson? I don't know. When you, when you talk about um, Bobby Robson, uh, Sir Bobby, um, everybody's very uh, fond of him and got great memories. And a lot of us treated him or, or saw him as like a second father, really, um, particularly giving me my first cap. But the the thing with Bobby was... Um, he was so he was so enthusiastic. He was over enthusiastic about everything, right? About absolutely everything, uh, and he loved his players. But the, it was a names issue, really. He was strong. He was struggling with the names of the players, which is a bit, a bit daunting, uh, a bit crazy when you think he's actually sat down with pen and paper and put these names on a sheet to uh, pick his squads. But you know, you put him on a on a training pitch, and I remember a couple of times mm-hmm. we were. Um, 
down in Bisham Abbey preparing for a game. But I mean, this was a regular occurrence, and we used to do these drills. And you'd have just one half of the of the pitch, and you uh, the, the midfield player would knock the ball out to the wide player, and um, the wide player would put the ball into the box, and then would go and finish like a finishing exercise, just a drill. But he, he was like explaining it, and he was it went like this. It went, he would go. You go, Bobby, 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 right? Knock the ball out to Gary over there. Gary knocked the ball at the back, back post, and Big Tony's going to knock it in, right? And we're going, who's he talking to? He's some Bobby, Bobby, Bobby was meant to be Brian, Brian, Brian. Uh, Gary, who's playing out on the right hand side, was me, Trevor, right? So we've got this really good link, and I've got to put the ball in for Mark Hately. His dad was called Tony Hately, right? <laughs> Right, so we've got we've got Bobby to Gary to Tony, and they don't even exist. Right, <laughs> we used to do that all the time. And I remember I remember in Los Angeles when we were warming up for the World Cup, we played a game, uh, and we we trained in LA. Uh, and he comes up the back of the bus just as we're setting off for training, and he goes, "Lads, lads, anybody got spare pair of nines? I've left them in my room, and we're on our way to training now." Anybody, Chris Waddle, Ben Solvag, uh, yeah, Gaffer, brand new pair. You could actually just break them in for me. Lovely, thanks very much. So he said, "Ah, oh, thanks, well, thanks, Waddler." So he goes off. We do the training session. He's running about doing his usual stuff, trying to get involved. We we'll come back to the bus. We we'll get on the bus, back of the bus, going home, back to the hotel. Bobby comes up, swearing and cursing at, at Chris Waddle. They are never size nines, Chris Waddle. Here you go. So he throws them back at. Uh, Chris Waddle, he's been standing, he's running around in these for two hours, Bobby. And Chris goes, oh my God, he'd left tissue in the toes, right? He'd left a tissue of new boots in the toes for the left foot and the right foot. So they're actually size six and a half. So he's coming. <laughs> oh man, he, he would just do stuff like it was just, just wrong for an England manager who you expect to be absolutely on the ball, you know, he's uh, crackers. Brilliant, um, brilliant stories about yeah. Bobby Robson and talking of not knowing players' names, Jarvo, when you were in the England squad, Fabio Capello oh. was the manager of England. So were there any communication issues there? Because I've heard some varying stories about um, his ability to get his messages across to the players in his in his broken English. No, to, to be honest, it was my first actual time actually meeting him and seeing him was when he, he, I, I arrived at the camp and like you come off, you come into the hotel bit, you walk through and he was there. So I went up to see him and he was just like, are you pleased to be here? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, the easiest answers I've ever, I was like, I'm absolutely delighted. He was like, okay. Like, and I was thinking, right, that's that one done, <laughs> you know, well, but there was nothing else. You know, really, that was it. Yeah, and he, he didn't really communicate that much, whether that was because he couldn't or whether that was because he just didn't want to. I think from what I gather, he was a lot more strict and stubborn and everything on previous trips. I think he'd relaxed a little bit on, on the one that I was on. So it was... Um, you still had to follow protocol in the sense that you were all had to go into dinner at the same time. You all had to leave at the same time. So you're looking down, still eating, and people looking at you like, Hurry that up! You, we want to go. <laughs> You're like, okay, yeah, I won't, I won't eat anymore. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, but but he wasn't, it wasn't, um, wasn't much for talker to be honest. Did you feel, Jarvo, that it was a negative atmosphere? Um, or no. Did not, you, did you just think this is what international football looks like? 
I had no concept of what, what I really thought yeah. was going to go on. So I'm just buzzing. You know, it doesn't really matter what was going yeah. on in, with anyone else. For me, I was so, so pleased, so happy to be there and just experience everything. So yeah. from the, the lads were brilliant with me and, and in general, everyone was, was really, you know, had a bit of banter. There was still really good communication. So it, it wasn't, um, I didn't feel like it was. But um, maybe that was just because I was just, you know, I was riding that wave of excitement. I guess as well, Jarvo, at the time, this was before you got the move to West Ham. So there would have been a time when you were at West Ham where you would have had teammates who were on international duty. Whereas when you were at Wolves, I can't imagine there was many people you could turn to and say, hey, what's it like on England duty? Because you were probably the only one. Well, exactly. It was like the first day at school. (laughs) You know, you go in, everyone's still sat with all their teammates from all all the different clubs. You know, they're all sort of top top six clubs. So I was fighting relegation at the time. So it was... um, yeah, you know, you go in and you're like, oh, where do I sit on the bus? Where do I sit at dinner? Where do I, yeah, everyone's sat in their groups and you think, oh, it's like the first day at school all over again. But no, I, I, it was amazing for, for you know, to, to experience that. There were some, you know, fantastic players. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they were all very, very um, helpful and, and in, you know, in, I say introduced, I played against them all, but, you know, you know, make you feel welcome, play a bit of table tennis, you have a little laugh and a joke and, Oh yeah, you just then, smash them all at table then, tennis, <laughs> and then after a while you beat them all at table tennis. <laughs> yeah, that'll break the ice. Yeah, this new guy's coming in who's amazing yeah. at table tennis and beating everyone. Um, should say that Jarvo's parents are both amazing yeah. at table tennis. Uh, yeah. Some of the best in the country. Um, but also, you say the players that are in the squad at the time, Rooney was in the was in the squad. I mean, Rio Ferdinand. You're talking legends of, of English football. Um, a great squad of players, and a lot of those players went to several tournaments, but. England never got the job done. How do you see things this time around with this group of players that Gareth Southgate's got at his disposal? Because some might argue that if you look at a list of English football legends, there'd only be a handful in the current England squad that would probably fit that bill at this point in time. But that being said, they've reached the later stages of the last two tournaments. So how do you assess the landscape going into this World Cup, Java? Well, like for me, I think you look at it in the last, you know, the Euros, for instance, Southgate has to take a lot of applaudits because I feel like the the squads that have been in the past have had, as you say, maybe some you know top elite elite players. But Southgate, the way he's dealt, he he's a he's a tournament manager. The way like the Germans were you know, or are, you know, he's he didn't try and win three, four, five nil, he one nil, and he shut up shop and got through to the next game, next game, next game. Obviously, the final didn't didn't work out that well because scored really early, and then it was just change of mentality. But if you're going off the back of that, you're thinking we've got a really good chance. Um, but obviously, recent performances and results haven't sort of gone very well. We've then added on that injuries that we've picked up to to you know to key players really um so it's still a fantastic group of players that i just feel like the mentality of the squad the togetherness and the whole it maybe might be slightly different this year with a bit more added pressure on on the players but i think the last two tournaments the way that the the, the southgate has handled the the media and the press, I think, has, has been really, really good. The togetherness as the team, they all link and gel and they all look like they're really pleased and happy to be there, which I think has 
is is you know it should be the norm, but it's not always the case. You should be absolutely delighted to be going on international duty. But I feel like that has been reignited now with the squad that we have, and we've got some really exciting players that you know they they're very experienced even at a young age. You know, especially tournament football, you know, Champions League, Europa League, all the winning Premier Leagues. You know, some really really top top young players. So. The, the big thing is we've got a goal scorer as well in Harry Kane. If he can, if he stays fit, it, it's such a huge relief and be able to, even if he's not playing well, you know, he still can find the back of the net. And that that is gold dust in, in, in a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, what's your take on it all, Trevor? Do you think that England are in a better position now? And particularly like what Jarvo says with the younger players who have had tournament experience, the likes of Saka and Phil Foden, for example, in the Euros. Do you see similar patterns to for instance the team in 1986 that were knocked out by the Maradona hand of God incident in the quarterfinals then went on to 1990 in Italy and reached an even later stage of the tournament having had that experience before so do you think that what England have got now is something similar to that where they can they can use the experiences of the last tournament the younger players are getting better with every week that passes in the Premier League. Do you think they can use that to their advantage this time around? Yeah, I mean, there are um, experienced tournament players now, aren't they? The majority of them. Uh, and I think that is very important. Um, you can't lose out by gaining that experience. Uh, but it's not the be-all and end-all. Uh, it's about you know the right team at the right day in the right form. Um, you know When the whistle goes on the first game, then... You know, everybody has to bring their A game uh, and, and be on it. Uh, we do have great um, squad depth, probably as, as good as there's ever been. Uh, and um, it will be... Um, I, I would have thought, you know, back in my time that if Bobby Robson could have, he would have just stuck with the same start in 11 all the way through the tournament. But tournaments don't work out like that. Injuries happen, form happens. Uh, and, and a team that starts can look very different by the end of a tournament. But we do have that quality. We do have some some great quality. Uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of weight are on the shoulders of um, one or two particular players. And I think I think the midfield is such a crucial area uh, in international football and all football, to be fair. Um, that centre part of the field, you've got to dominate that. And if you don't at international level, then you're going to find it hard to get results because the players that they're playing against, England are playing against, um, will all be good technical players. Uh, and, and we need to have, and I said before, that Jude Bellingham is the one that I've really got my fingers crossed for to have a, um, to have a great tournament and, and, and really feel good about himself and about his game because I think he, he can be um, a, a game changer for us. You know, and I know he doesn't score lots of goals, but he does score goals. But I just love it. I love his style. It reminds me of Brian Robson, actually, way back really? when Brian was at his best. 18-yard box to 18-yard box. Mm. Natural uh, leader as well. Yeah, na- a natural leader. Absolutely got no doubts about his own ability um, and aggressive with it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I mean, our problems probably lie at the back as well. Mm. I'm not sure if it's a four or a, or a three at the back. Uh, Gareth will know what he's what he's doing by this stage, and just getting off to a winning start. That's all we're looking for. Whether it's a one 0 win, mm. um, or or, or, or two 0 one 0 just any win is a great win. That first and, game. 
before we talk a little more about England, because there's no warm-up matches, which is strange. Normally, you'd want a couple of those to get into the rhythm. Before we talk about that, I want to rewind to that that game in 1986, because it's something I've never spoken to you about, or never even thought to ask you, but you were on the pitch when Maradona punched the ball in the net. What do you remember of that day? What was your view like? Did, did you know straight away? I mean, how do, you, how do you remember that moment? Because it's an iconic World Cup moment. Yeah, it was. I mean, just to give a, a bit of context, this was we were kicking off in Mexico City at 9,000 feet above sea level, uh, 110, 115 degrees in uh, midday sun. Um, and conditions were always going to be difficult. You know, I mean, you're kind of sheltering yourself as you walk out to have a look at the pitch as you do. You go and inspect the pitch and that buzz around the stadium as it was getting to 50, 60, 70, 80,000, ends at 120,000 people. But you're kind of cowering away from the sun. So it was a very, very uh, um, demanding environment. Uh, and when Maradona scored in the second half, it was a very, very even game. Both sides were nullifying each other, really. Nobody was opening up the other side. Uh, it was very much uh, stop-start kind of kind of game. Then, then Maradona uh, gets that opportunity to cheat. And he took it. Um, and where I was, uh, I didn't see him punch it because I saw Peter Shilton coming out and I was on the right side of midfield, midway between our penalty area and uh, the halfway line. Um, he comes out and he's obviously going to get it because there's only Maradona running under the ball here. Uh, and next thing I know, after I turn to see where the space is around me, because Peter's obviously going to, he's going to punch this, let's see what's around me. Uh, by the time I look back, um, the ball was trickling in and Maradona was spinning off to celebrate his goal, but looking over his shoulder at the referee at the same time. Uh, I didn't see what had happened. I couldn't believe what had happened. And then obviously everybody's gesturing, gesturing that he's used his hand, he's used his hand. But they didn't see it. Um, and that changed the, the game. You know, We were having to, in the next five or six minutes of the game, we had to change our approach. Um, we weren't sort of going to arm wrestle Argentina anymore. We had to open up slightly. They then got the rub of the green with a couple of challenges as well. One on Glenn Hoddle, um, which was into the Argentinian half. And again, I'm sort of looking from the same view. I wasn't in it. I was just looking at it. It was like 20, 30 yards away. But it's a foul. Oh, no, it's not a foul. All right. And then Peter Reid and Peter Beardsley uh, start to try and track him. But then he just showed what capacity he has for uh, speed um, and control, which was better than anybody's in the world. Without a doubt, it was just uh, explosive what happened next. And he lured people in and lured people in and um, became became desperate. I mean, you would have expected Terry Fennick, to be honest, to bring him down. But even Terry, with his, his quite um, physical style of defending, couldn't get him, couldn't get to him. He was so nimble, so quick. Uh, and before we knew it, we were picking the ball out of the net, you know, um, for that second goal. So, yeah, it was amazing memories, but it could have been so so different. You know, we saw, I think, just the, just uh, there recently, the, the actual ball itself goes for two million quid, didn't it, in an auction. Steve Steve Hodge. Do you wish um, you had kept it after the game? <laughs> I, wish, I, wish I'd, I wish I'd have got done what Steve Hodge did and man Mark Maradona when the final whistle went, you know, <laughs> uh, wait until he gets his shirt off and grabbed it. Um, 
uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for that phone call from Steve because he's he's got to divvy up that money at some point. <laughs> <that's true. laughs> yeah, I'm, it's fair and all that now. Yeah, know. amazing story um, about that. And you say sort of 110, 115 degrees Fahrenheit. The heat is obviously something that's going to play a factor in this World Cup in Qatar. Javo, I think England have decided to train. They trained last night actually in the evening when the heat wasn't strong, but there's been question marks over whether they should train in the middle of the day when the sun is at its strongest. Some reports have suggested that. Um, do you think that that's going to be an issue for the England players? Or do you think that that, is, that must be something that Southgate and the team have, have thought about in terms of when to train? Um, and how punishing is that to play in when when you are playing in games? I mean, it happens every now and again in a season in the Premier League where you get a thirty five degree day and it's just down at pitch side, which is absolutely baking. What what's that like to compete in, and how do you think England will manage it? Well, look, that they hundred percent would have had um, thought a process of when and where they're going to train and what time, and is it going to be this hot? And they're going to be doing the best they possibly can to to keep the players in physical top condition um you've there's no there's no way you can possibly be ready for that sort of heat in in you know as as playing in the premier league because you're just not used to it you know and no one as you know as trevor's just explained about that game against argentina you you don't even you just look from the you know from your tv screen and just see everyone running around on the pitch you don't even think about the heat and the playing a factor and why is he not run back there or why is he not running up there it's boiling it drains you it really does the heat is is ridiculously hard to to keep going for a full 90 minutes at this top top level but everyone else is going to be in the same position so it's it's not like you're at a disadvantage you know you're you're going to you're going to be able to get used to it for a couple of days you're going to train in it you're going to you know you're you're playing for your country in a world cup i don't think you know, you're going to be thinking oh i'm a little tired here i i just need a little rest you're going to be running chasing your, your manager, your teammates are going to be screaming at you to get back, get forward, close him down, shut him off left. You know, it, it's it's going to be draining. It's going to be demanding. But that's where Southgate's, I'm pretty sure, will be looking at his bench. And as Trevor's mentioned, we've got a very good squad of players. So you're going to be able to to mix in and out of, of, of the team and, and bring in on top, top players that are going to come on and make a difference in these games. I remember speaking to you about a year ago, Trevor, and obviously you spent a fair amount of time living out in the in the Middle East. And I think it was in Qatar, did you say that you lived? Yeah, so, I lived in Dubai, but I was working in Qatar. I was there every couple right. of weeks. So you, you'll know better than anyone the, the temperatures and what is it actually like this time of year? Is it manageable? This this time of year, it is. Um, and they're actually having a bit of an unusual spell where it is a little hotter than normal uh, during the day. But as soon as the sun goes down, you get the desert winds and the desert breeze, which is cold. So um, in the evenings from around 5.30, it's jumper weather, sweater kind of weather. Um, and you need that. You couldn't just like sit in um, watching a football match uh, in, in a T-shirt. You would get quite cold in an evening fixture. This four o'clock time means that England are going to be in and, and around the, the stadium uh, at two o'clock, let's say. Um, and they will go out for 10 minutes to have a look at the, the pitch and the stadium. Um, and then they'll warm up probably half an hour before kickoff, uh, maybe 45 minutes before kickoff in the hot conditions at that four o'clock kickoff. It will be hot. It'll be, it'll be 30 odd uh, degrees. Um, but don't exert too much. Just make sure you're stretched. 
and then I think four o'clock it'll, it'll it'll be fine. It'll start to cool. But so no, I've got no issues with the weather actually. I don't think um, there's any great surprise. But when you think about with World Cups gone gone by, uh, you know Gareth Southgate would have been preparing his players, um, you know, in in their in their training, but also in their uh, physical preparation. This time, there's none of that because we've got off a plane, got to a hotel, first training session, second one, and all of a sudden, then you're looking at who's playing in the next game. So, do you again, think that's a positive though? Do you think that's a good that's good what, thing? Do you think that's a good thing to just go straight into it rather than having that big build up? As players, I don't think you mind uh, Jarvo, but um, the, I think they will miss probably having a you know a ten day intro or preparation period because you know, f- um, five, six days is, is just not enough really because 48 hours before the game, I mean, you're really starting to get thinking about that first match and, um, you know, get a bit of tension in and around yourself uh, about whether you're going to play and you hope that you're going to play well, you're going to, you know, you're going to um, uh, keep the fans happy and get a good result. So the tension will start. So, yeah, it's... it's um, uh, sort of concertina into this short period of time and, and I'm interested but as you said Jarvo that all teams have got it right they've got no one's had a better preparation than anybody else so it's it's best man on or best team on the day wins yeah. I think sometimes when I look at this everyone asks me about the, the World Cup being at this time of year and you, you, you try and look at the positives and you think well every other tournament you know a lot of the England players have played 65 games you know, whereas at the moment they're going into this play, you know, th- just over three, you know, three months of the season, they should be in peak form, you know, uh, fitness wise, ability wise, everything should be ready to roll. So actually having the smaller gap of them still being, you know, match sharpness, everything, they're just rolling into the tournament should be a positive way of, of looking at it and thinking, yes, we're ready to go rather than you stop at the end of a season, everyone's shattered after having such a, you know, exerting 65 games or whatever. Then you've then got to pick yourself back up to get yourself going again for a World Cup. Not you have to get yourself going. I mean that in a physical, not a mental, because you're going to a World Cup. But there's that preparation and then you get that whole you're in that bubble of being in a World Cup and the build-up, the media, the everything. Whereas this, you're just sort of thrown in, coming straight out from the last game where you're match ready. You're thrown into it. You've not got that big build-up where you've got to think about all of these different things. You're straight into it, straight into the game, and you, you're you're ready to roll. Do you know after after a World Cup, though, Java? You know, normally you're you're going into a summer holiday in the summer break. Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't you don't get to think about that. Yeah, you're going back. You're going straight back into the Premier League. Right, yeah, it is, yeah. is mind boggling what these players are gonna yeah. have to have to go through, yeah. really. Well in a month in a month's time we'll see who wins the World Cup. If England win, there'll be a, a World Cup party and then you've got to get yourself up for the Christmas party and then up for the New Year's Eve party. <laughs> so I mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work to be done and we'll see yeah. in a few weeks' time just exactly how England get on during the World Cup in Qatar. Of course we'll keep you across it right here on the podcast. If you hit subscribe that way you won't miss it. Matt, Trevor, great to speak to you both as ever. Two former England internationals on today's show ahead of England's first game in the World Cup, which is on Monday afternoon. Make sure you don't miss it. I wonder if it really is coming home. We'll find out soon. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.